2: We're talking 2020 ranges of outcomes for Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, and Jared Cook on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up? Hey everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online and the FFPC. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matthew Friedman. Um, Matt, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, not a very large limb, and assume that you are a fan of ice cream.
1: Yes. Uh, however, I'm going to disregard your question and uh, say something else. One, I think at the top of the show, you said that uh, we we're going to talk about Jared Cook. Um, you had said Darren we're Waller? Not, okay. We're not going to talk about Jared Cook. We're going to talk about Darren Waller. Two, we're going to be talking about the uh, pretty awesome range of outcomes app uh, at Rodavis. And I want to ask you, because on our last show, we talked about David Montgomery, and, uh, you know, in FFPC ADP, he's going around, um, you know, like someone like Raheem Mostert. And that made me think in the range of outcomes app for someone like Raheem Mostert, does it take only the regular season into account or does it also take his postseason into account? Uh, great question.
2: It only takes the regular season into account, um, which I think. On one hand, you can view as a negative, um, which is completely fine. But ultimately, one thing that you have to try to control for while you're building apps like this, at least in my perspective, is that you're putting all players on somewhat of a level footing. Now, the problem is if I'm including playoff games and and perhaps there is no difference between playoff games and regular games, that's a possibility. But the problem is I wouldn't want to be matching regular season games um, to. So if I'm building the app, right. And I'm matching the players. I don't want the players that are getting or like included the historical guys for match. I don't want their Playoff games included because I'm making the assumption that their stats are going to be somewhat different in those playoff games. I don't know if it's because they're probably facing harder competition. There's odd things going on in those game flows. Like, I just don't feel comfortable bringing that in. So, as a result, I don't want to have the players that I'm searching for have those games built in and they're getting matched against players that don't. Does that make kind of any sense? It's hard for me to explain.
1: Outside no, no, no. of my I, head. I, I get it. I get it. You're trying to uh to kind of ensure as much as you can that you're comparing apples to apples. Um I would rather be able to have the option, if possible, of including the postseason. Because for someone like Mostert or, you know, even like Damian Williams or someone like that, um, there are these guys who uh you know, maybe don't play the full season, but if we include their postseason runs, I think we get a better representation of what they are likely to do with their team in the upcoming season, uh, or at least like uh, the possibility of what they could do on the upper range of outcomes. So, I would probably lean towards including the postseason, but I understand why you haven't. Yeah, you know the other really
2: interesting thing about it too is, um, we've seen, and one of the reasons I haven't made it a total priority is when I have looked at certain instances, you can often see players that like kind of crush it in the playoffs and it feels like that means something. But in the end of the day, it's still only like a two, three game stretch, which we know two and three game stretches aren't that representative. So like, if you think lots of times there's been, or if you consider Patriots playoff runs, right, there's been a lot where Julian Edelman has absolutely murdered it in the playoff stretch and then hasn't been the same in the regular season. Um, with my point being sometimes it's easy to overstate those games and also yes like if you're pulling them into the stat line it does move it but across 16 games it's not moving as much as you think the other thing that i have been considering is maybe just building in something where the user can go in and just tweak the per game averages um, but then you're kind of going down a slippery slope because you're letting the user kind of say, "This is what I think it should be. What does this output give? Whereas like, the whole point of the app is that it's grounded in historical data, um, which uh, gets back to just the challenge sometimes when you're trying to model certain things and what you're looking for. Um, but yeah, those are definitely fair points that I've kind of thought through. So one other thing that I have been considering is, maybe allowing the user to select certain games, but then I kind of find myself in that same quagmire.
1: Yeah. I mean, I personally, I guess one, uh, yes, I like ice cream. I'm not a serial killer <laughs> too. Um, I, <laughs> I like the idea of allowing the user to, uh, to be able to select games. Um, you know, cause if the user wants, they can just kind of hit the button and it, you know, selects all of the regular season games and that's it, or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so there's like the default, but if the user wants, uh, you know, to, to deviate, uh, for a special circumstance, you know, whether or not it's actually a good idea, uh, it's on the user.
2: Right. Um, yes. The final thing I'll say that to though, it is on the user, but when the user is taking that info from your site they're then you know assigning it to a take from the site regardless of if they're using it correctly or incorrectly no 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 no
1: <laughs> no you no. don't think that happens people, no i don't i don't think so i th- i think people like the opportunity yeah. to uh to be wrong you know what i mean um and like you know hopefully they're right but you know i think they just sort of know like okay i'm going against the default i could be doing something that potentially is suboptimal, but this tool is enabling me to do research that I wouldn't have been able to do on my okay. own. Okay.
2: That, that's fair. I'll tell you what, Matt, next year, I will think about adding that in. Okay. Good to hear. I will think about <laughs> it. I will think about okay. it. Okay. Okay. All right. Now that we, but can I ask you my, um, my actual question that I had for you about ice cream? Sure. Do
1: you have a favorite flavor of ice cream? Um, not really. I mean, there, there are many different flavors. I don't really discriminate on flavors when it comes to ice cream. So, I mean, I, I have like some standards, but I don't really have like a strict favorite. Got it. Um,
2: I had not had pistachio ice cream until like a year and a half ago. And oh my God, I cannot believe I had gone my entire
1: life without pistachio ice cream. It's incredible. You ever had it? Yes. Uh, yes, I have, um, pistachio ice cream. I can't believe I'm not. Okay. Yeah. There's this type of ice cream called Spumoni, and it's sort of like, I don't know, like the Italian version of, um, of Neapolitan, <laughs> yep. which I guess it's funny cause Neapolitan was also Italian. Anyway, it's, it has, um, pistachio in it. It has cherry, pistachio and chocolate as the three flavors in it you know, kind of broken up the way that Neapolitan ice cream is broken up. So anyway, like that's, uh, that's a a personal favorite. I do like that one. And uh, yeah, it has the, the uh, pistachio, which some people might think is kind of weird, but definitely uh, pistachio on its own, I think is worth at least tasting or trying once. And pistachio within Spumoni is really good.
2: Um, I'm looking up Spumoni as we speak, and I am definitely... Gonna have to try this. I can't believe that I have not had this before in my existence.
1: Yeah, it's harder to find. Um, there's a grocery store here that used to carry it, and then um, like I feel like they just stopped carrying it. And so there are times when we have to go and be like, "Hey, can you just order spumoni?" Like I always <laughs> feel a little bit weird about going up and asking them because like we have to be the only people at the grocery store who are uh, who are eating it.
2: Oh, completely. Although I do feel like I should just be able to pop down to the North End in Boston and find a place that would carry this.
1: Yes, you, I imagine you would be able to.
2: All right. That is my mission for the summer, assuming that that becomes an acceptable activity at some point. Um, anyway, though, I have an FFPC stat attack for this episode. We are going to be talking about Darren Waller, as I incorrectly mentioned at the top of the show with Jared Cook. We are subbing in Darren Waller. Did you know, Matthew, that last year he was a tight end one 69% of the time? And I that, my friends, that. that my friends is the stat attack from the FFPC, which of course is the home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we have a number of tools at Rotoviz designed specifically for FFPC domination. Okay. So, we mentioned that we are going to be looking at the range of outcomes for some wide receivers and Darren Waller. Let's start off on Robert Woods. My first question for you, Matt, will be um the impact of Brandon Cooks leaving. Is that changing how you're approaching things or given that Cooks did struggle with injuries last season, you feel like we already kind of have a sense of how that might go?
1: I should just say as a kind of blanket opening statement, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm lower on Woods than I, I probably should be. Okay. Um so we have the the rankings, um, which are, are live at Action Network and, and they're free. Uh Chris Raybon is extremely bullish on Robert Woods. He has him ranked number eleven overall for wide receivers. And I think a lot of that is um is because he is expecting a chunk of uh of the targets that used to go to, uh, to cooks potentially to go to Robert Woods. And even if they don't, he thinks that he has a pretty high target floor. You know, he look he's looking at a guy who has 130 targets uh, or at least 130 targets in each of the past two seasons has, you know, a, uh, an elevated floor because he actually gets a decent number of carries over the course of a season, Uh, you know, kind of weird for a wide receiver, but that is there, Uh, you know, and then he has 1200 scrimmage yards, Uh, you know, as a floor over the past two years. So that's something to consider. I'm low on him. I have him number 22 um, among wide receivers. And if I'm looking at the, the FFPC rankings, or not rankings, but ADP rather, Robert Woods is going number 19. So like I'm closer to consensus, but I'm still lower than the consensus. And a lot of that just has to do with the fact that, um, Robert Woods was like I think pretty subpar for a, a significant chunk of the season, and even though with uh, with Cooks gone, he should have uh, you know the possibility for more target volume. I just kind of don't see it. Like I think he's going to get the targets he got last year. He's not particularly effective at scoring touchdowns, like. I think he has the yardage potential, but I'm just, I don't know. I I could see there being big problems for that offense in general. So I'm going to be just a little more pessimistic.
2: Okay. Um, I actually, when I look now at my rankings, realize that I have Woods at wide receiver 14, which I think puts him in um, probably more of like the common type of range. Although I actually am a little bit surprised to see that he does fall that highly for me. what is a bad season for Woods in 2020 in terms of points per game, please?
1: Points per game. See, I hate thinking in terms of points per game. That's just not the, uh, the natural way that my brain works. Oh, all right. All um, right. So let's, let's go. A bad. Let, no, no, no. We a can, bad we can season, into, I'll do it in points per game. Okay. Uh, a bad season is. <laughs> good luck editing that out. Um, <laughs> a bad. <laughs> a bad season for Robert Woods is I would say like 10 points per game, something like that. Okay. Um, You know, it's interesting because though I
2: have him higher than you, I actually think that like 10 points per game isn't actually a terrible, or isn't actually a bad season for him. I should probably consult one thing here though, which is last season. Yeah, okay. He was at 14 points per game last year. The two seasons before that, He was at 18 and 16. So, yeah, I guess 10 would be pretty bad. If we can start with the range of outcomes app, he has a very highly concentrated distribution with almost every single one of his matches getting lumped in between nine and call that like 18 and a half points per game with a very large concentration um, going somewhere between 12 and 15. Um in terms of upside I don't feel especially given the ADP that there's really much upside at all for Woods this year.
1: Yeah, I mean that's uh that's kind of right where I am. Um again I like I'm probably a little too low on him relative to his median. But the big thing is that I just don't see the upside there with him. And like, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe he ends up having 150, 160 targets and the Rams offense goes back to what it was, you know, two, three years ago. But I just, I don't, I don't see the upside with him. I would rather have a number of guys who are going around him or after him, um, in his ADP. I just think there's more upside with a number of those players. Right.
2: And I do feel like with Woods, I'm able to pull in a very representative sample into the uh, numbers that the tool is using. Um, So like he's a player, I feel very good about it, doing a good job of getting a handle on. And if you're looking at this distribution, there really is like no upside. In fact, none of the... Uh I take that back. Only one of the players in his top fifty matches even went higher than twenty points in their year and plus one season. So there's just not a lot of upside. Uh we will continue along, but before we do, I want to take a quick word for a message from our sponsor, Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner BetOnline. NASCAR is back and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7 or participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. So moving along here with Robert Woods out of the way, let's talk about Tyler Lockett. Naturally, you have DK Metcalf, who I think is the alpha there in Seattle. That has to have reduced the outlook for Tyler Lockett in
1: 2020. Uh, wait a minute. Let me make sure I just understand what you're saying. You think uh, DK Metcalf is now the number one receiver I do. for Seattle? Yes. Yeah, I, I disagree. Okay. Um that said I'm still low on Locket. Um and a lot of that is twofold. One, uh I don't think he's going to have uh a significant increase in targets. Um and then two, I think he probably will get even though he's been super efficient on a per target basis, I think there's going to be the possibility for some touchdown regression this year. Um so I'm a little bit lower on him than most. For instance, like I'll just use Chris Raybon again because he's like we we differ quite a bit in the ways that we look at players. Mm -hmm. Raybon has him number twelve. I have him number twenty five. He has him number twelve. He has him number twelve. Wow! And like I can, I mean, I can see it like because he has he has been consistent just in terms of like his yards and his touchdowns over the past two years, and uh, you know if he gets just even a little bump in targets uh that could be pretty significant. Um, but I'm just I'm not there on Lockett. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty close to consensus. Uh he's going off the board in FFPC ADP as the number twenty two wide receiver that feels about right to me. Like I can see a situation where Lockett ends up being, you know, like a low end top twelve wide receiver. Like I can easily see that. I'm just I'm not betting on it. This is my problem with Tyler Lockett.
2: Going back to week one of 2018, he has finished as a wide receiver one on a weekly basis just four times. As a wide receiver two 28% of the time, he has been a wide receiver three 60% of the time. We're now introducing a full season of the best receiver in terms of you know, maybe we could chop that up, but I think it's it's safe to say that DK Metcalf in twenty twenty is probably the best, you know, competition that he's had to play with in the last couple of seasons. And that just does not look to me like a recipe for a player that's finishing anywhere around like um, you know, a wide receiver one, maybe even not a wide receiver two. Um but I won't harp on that too much. So what do you think the realistic range of outcomes looks like for Lockett this year?
1: The, I mean, I think the realistic range of outcomes is that uh, like on the low end, he's around like 10, uh, 10 PPR points per game, something like that on the high end, man, like I, I think he actually could have like an outlier freakish type of season where like on the high end, he could have like 20 points per game. Like, I, I think that is within his range of outcomes.
2: And in a season like that, what is it that's driving that number up so high?
1: Is it the touchdowns? Uh, it's that he, it's that the efficiency he has displayed over the past two seasons remains intact. And uh, for some reason, Seattle just passes the ball much more than they have over the past two years. That would be the big driver for me. Got it. That is
2: a fair way of, of looking at I think in particular, how you could have Lockett arriving at a pretty high point total. The interesting thing is I, in my mind for him, want to give him um, a fairly large distribution or fairly high concentration of his distribution down below eight points per game. But I'm realizing I'm probably overreacting to my thought of how DK Metcalf changes that offense. And also in the range of outcomes app, he has a very high concentration going between 10 and 16 points, um, which makes me think that, um, you know, it probably is more prudent to expect
1: that he falls somewhere in that range. Um, yeah, like I think he has a fairly high floor. And so even though when you uh, were talking about the distributions that he's had uh, since the 2018 season, he has had a lot of wide re- three, wide receiver three C. Uh, let me rephrase that: wide receiver three weeks. But a number of those were actually still like high end wide receiver three, which means that he's like not absolutely destroying your team. And I could see him having a similar type of uh, of week to week distribution where there aren't all that many peak performances. But there are enough high wide receiver three and just kind of normal wide receiver two performances to put him just like in the average, you know, anywhere from like 12 to 16 points per game.
2: That's a fair way of looking at it. Um, Let's now talk about Darren Waller, um, who you chose to talk about over Corey Davis, um. <laughs> I say that completely in jest. So how do you feel about Waller uh, heading into 2020?
1: I am probably too optimistic about him. Um, I think, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not too optimistic about him, but I think there's this this clear uh, like tier of four guys. Uh, however it is that you slice it, Kelsey and Kittle, I think, are the, the top two guys. And then I think it's Ertz and Andrews. Uh, and then, after them, I have Darren Waller as the number five tight end. um, I just I prefer him to Evan Ingram, Jared Cook, Tyler Higby. like there are cases to be made for a number of guys, but I do think he's kind of a half tier above all of them, but you certainly I don't think can consider him before any of those top four. I will
2: agree with that, um, and I do think that he falls for me somewhere. Um, around like tight end five, tight end six. I forget exactly what I have. Um, in terms though of like his floor and his ceiling, I think that in my mind, I think he has an attractive, uh, distribution there. And the interesting thing is in the range of outcomes app, he has a normally distributed, um, grouping, which I love, um, as you know a pretty big nerd here um but it also does put him pretty nicely in that um like 10 to 13 point range and as far as tight ends go he does have a top 5 um overall distribution score so i think i do feel pretty strongly about Waller now this is a guy though who last season really was the first year that we really saw him emerge. Do you have any worry about him not being able to carry that from season to season?
1: No, I think he, so there are a number of factors um, that kind of pull in different directions. So one, I do think he should be better um, just as an overall player this year than he was last year, because he, you know, uh, he should be more used to playing the tight end position. And it takes even guys who play tight end at college, it often takes them a few years to transition to the NFL. So I think he should just as a player be better this year than he was last year. Uh and also I do think that the offense, there could be room for the offense to be better this year than it was last year. But that could mean that there are fewer targets that go his way because, you know, we have seen them add to that pass catching unit. Added uh Henry Ruggs the third. Um you know, Tyrell Williams is still there, but you know, there are kind of questions as to how uh how useful he will be this year. Um, but Brian Edwards is there. They added Lynn Bowden Jr., uh, who you know might play a little bit at receiver, might be used out of the backfield as a receiving back. Uh Hunter Renfro could develop in his second year in the slot. So, you know, we could see fewer targets go to Waller, but I think overall it's gonna end up being about the same. Uh maybe he's a little more efficient maybe he sees a you know just a, a slight diminishment in targets in the end I think he basically does this year something pretty close to what he did last year
2: got it um I don't think that I'm I'm radically far off um of uh my opinion on Waller there um real quickly though and I think that you mentioned when you said that uh like top tier the the you know the four guys at the top of the tier you included mark andrews right oh of course okay um i'm not not an animal okay all right so wait then evan engram um is he kind of in that same stratosphere as waller for you
1: yeah i have engram number six and you know if you wanted to have him number five and waller number six like i i really wouldn't make much of an argument uh, I just prefer water. Right?
2: Do you ever see yourself considering Austin Hooper over either of those guys?
1: Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, I think Austin Hooper takes a big step back this year, uh, moving from the Falcons to the Browns. Right. Um. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah, player. I
2: haven't done my projections for Cleveland yet, but I just don't see how they come out good for uh, Austin Hooper. Like, I just don't see how it happens, no matter what inputs I'm you know tweaking
1: yeah I mean I I think that's fair Hooper he he benefited quite a bit from the fact that uh he got a lot of targets underneath uh when defensive attention was on other players namely you know the wide receivers there uh and he was in an offense that threw the ball a lot um I just don't know if that's going to be the case in Cleveland
2: so who are you drafting first Hayden Hurst or Austin Hooper
1: I have Hooper ranked slightly ahead of Hurst, but uh, I'll be honest, uh, it'll probably be Hurst. By the time I end up doing all of my projections, I will probably have Hurst ahead of Hooper.
2: Yeah. How overdrafted do you think Hooper ends up being this year?
1: Um, you know, it's interesting. Okay. So it, it's hard to know because right now the ADP that we have, I think is pretty sharp. Because um, it's FFPC, you know, and those are higher stakes leagues. The people who are drafting at the FFPC tend to be just a little bit sharper. Um, And so in these, you know, higher stakes leagues where people have a sense of what they're doing, Austin Hooper is going off the board as the number 12 tight end. And I think that makes sense. I think that's about right. Um, But in your, you know, just kind of friends and family league, I imagine Hooper will go off the board. mm, maybe anywhere from six to eight, six to nine. And, I, and that's too early. Yep.
2: Um, that's kind of what I what I would anticipate too. And I will say at an ADP of the tight end 12, I don't necessarily dislike the Hooper pick because at that point, you know, it's not like I'm really that excited about my tight end to begin with.
1: Um, yeah. So as a point of comparison, yep. uh, FFPC ADP for Hayden Hurst is tight end nine. So he's like, he's going before Austin. I love it. You know, like it's, that's really significant. Yeah, for sure.
2: All right. Well, that does it uh, for us in our episodes this week. uh, We will be back throughout the summer. Although given the move, there will be a stretch where uh, Matt has preemptively informed me that uh, he will not be around. So we're going to try to bring in some good guests for those episodes. We have that to look forward to. The villains episode is on the horizon, but I have actually taken upon me or upon myself the task of really digging into a lot of deep questions about villains as I prepare <laughs> to put together the show sheet for this episode. And my daughter picked um, on the weekend. She gets to watch a movie. We go on a walk when we get back. She gets to watch a movie. The movie that she picked for this weekend was 101 Dalmatians. I had not watched it in a long time. Nice. But Cruella Deville is a great villain. So. Oh, yeah, she's fantastic. Yes. Um, I, I won't go into it now, but we'll be talking about her too. So I'm, I'm excited about the prospect of the villains episode.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess now I need to start watching a whole bunch of movies with fantastic villains so that I can refresh my memory.
2: Yeah, you know, it wouldn't be uh the worst thing that's ever happened. Um, I will say. Yeah. Although Game of Thrones, yeah. too, you've watched you haven't read the books, but you've watched the uh series. A lot of good villains in there, I feel like. Yeah. You're you've read the Harry Potter series. We got some good villains there. Um I still think though it might be worth it to explore some some more villains. Get that uh, you know get your mind into villain mode
1: okay i will i will try i will set aside sometime okay all right
2: on that note that really does it for this episode you can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at dave and at matt F. The thanks to bet online for sponsoring the show make sure to rate review and subscribe and as always remember it's not a fantasy It's you believe